Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest on our phone today. He's hanging out somewhere, not in his place, man. I think he 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 went up north somewhere. I don't know. He's sitting outside with the birds yeah. at his trailer. It's not a, I'm not a bad. I'm, uh, I'm watching the water. Uh, I don't get to do this too often, so I'm working uh, working you know north of Steeles. If you're from the Toronto area, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm I'm enjoying the view and and. Uh, I'm looking forward to this uh, this podcast and this uh, conversation. Oh, I got that wrong. You're not up north. You're just north of the city. That's... He's in he's in Stouffville. He's okay, just north okay, of the city. Okay, I mean, I'm... it takes me 20 minutes to get to Stouffville <laughs> from here. Here I am thinking like he's hunkered down in like a log cabin no. somewhere, shooting his dinner. <laughs> Cooking it over an open flame. Guys in a fucking city 20 minutes north of Toronto claiming to be up north. <laughs> well, you know, give, it, give it a year or two, you know, I might just go on that Bear Grylls tip and, and, and actually build a log cabin and, and, and do that. That'd be a, I just have to get my, make sure that the Wi-Fi comes out this far. But it's not fun. I actually came across a really cool uh, show on Netflix. It's called uh, Wind the Wilderness. I don't know if you guys heard of this, but. I love I love the outdoors and uh, a complete tangent to start off, which is great. Uh, it's called Wind the Wilderness, and, and uh, as we go on and talking about it, I'm I'm really passionate about older adults, and uh, that's that's kind of my the people that I try to help a lot and, and maintain their mobility. But came across the show. It's called Wind the Wilderness. It's on Netflix. I think BBC producer or whatever. Okay. And um, the premise is essentially this gentleman in '85 kind of stopped everything he was doing, moved out to Alaska, bought a property in the mountains, and just went full on, you know, chopping down the trees, building a log home. You know, he met his his wife of thirty some odd years, and they just built this awesome complex in the mountains of Alaska, and learning how to live and thrive in nature and respecting nature is kind of the premise of it all and what what their whole thing is it's kind of like a survivor not as tacky or cheesy game show where they had i think it was six couples come on and uh they were all competing for the opportunity to win their um win their complex uh oise mountain i believe it's called oise mountain so they they had people go through challenges to see if they could actually live in alaska so they don't have you know, city dwellers coming up and trying to start a fire or like catch their catch their food or anything like that. But really cool premise. I, I highly recommend it. Um, it delves deep into a lot of what I'm exposed to with my clients, and I really really enjoyed watching that. If if, if people, if you guys are into it or your listeners are into something like that, more nature based, and just I found it very raw and primitive in nature, and I, I thought that was really really cool. Well, you're talking to two extreme city people right here, but a lot of people are really getting into that idea of going off grid and like being one with nature. We had a guest on the podcast. Um, Oh, it was a long time ago. She grew up in Toronto. That's how I know her. And she, her and her husband decided that they wanted to, you know, live more with nature and whatever. And they just up and moved to a farm and, you know, they've got, they grow all their own food and they have chickens and they, anyway, it was, it's, I think it's a somewhat of a trend too. I think people are getting really into that. Anyway, we should probably actually introduce our guest before, before we just start before talking Before you start introducing, because like as soon as you said Netflix, I was wondering, is this a Netflix original? Because Netflix to me has gone off the deep end with the originals. <laughs> 
which I don't mind at all. Like I can watch what, whatever the, those were, the circle and uh, too hot to handle. Uh, I didn't. I haven't watched oh, that man. one yet. And then you mentioned Alaska, and I was like, "There's a show that because you know the singer Jewel, she's from Alaska, yeah. And and apparently there's a there's a reality show with something to do with Alaska, and everyone on it apparently is her family. Like that, she's like, "That's my cousin. That's my uncle. That's my brother." Like anyway, that's so funny. I feel like out in Alaska, no disrespect to Alaska, I think they have an amazing, amazing culture out there. They have beautiful, beautiful state in the states, but. You know, I'm sure they're all connected in some way or another out there. And, uh, <laughs> well, you know what? It's it's not it's not necessarily disrespectful if that's just. I mean, Jewel said it on you know on national TV that everybody was connected. I think that's how I feel, and I, I'm not. Maybe I should phrase this differently. But when I went to Newfoundland with my parents, uh, it was probably like 15 years ago. My dad's from a very small town in Newfoundland, and he hadn't been back since I want to say he was like early teens. And so, yeah, we went there 15 years ago and we're walking through his small town and people knew who he was like and he hadn't been there since he was a teenager. So some of these smaller places like the connections are unreal. And actually, perfect segue to introduce our guest. His name is John and him and I have a connection. You know, we've never met professionally, but he went to school with a a friend of mine who's a personal trainer. Uh, John's a kinesiologist and he's here to talk about kinesiology. But yeah, we discovered today we've actually probably met at uh, mutual friends parties before. But I, I, I can't say for sure, but I'm almost certain, John, that we've met some somewhere years ago. <laughs> we'll just say we have. And, and this is just a nice follow up from our previous conversation. Yeah, exactly. Because like you said, the previous conversation might have involved whiskey. So... <laughs> I've switched over to bourbon since then. I mean, my palate has gotten a lot more refined now. I'm kidding. You've uh, grown up. <laughs> no, no. Um, but I think it's a beautiful thing, this six degrees of separation. I mean, especially in the field of health sciences. I mean, I don't know how many conversations I've been in where it's like, oh, you know, or oh, you've chatted with this person or you've worked with this person. So I, I think I think it makes conversations like this a whole lot more comfortable. And Yeah, for sure. It feels like it feels like we run in the same circles. And I, I feel that way with the massage community. I know you're akin, but massage therapists, there's, I think, 15,000 of us in Ontario. And because I do this podcast and I talk to so many RMTs and, you know, Mark's involved in all of the uh, Facebook groups. Um Every time I talk to a massage therapist, if I'm, you know, referencing somebody else, I'm like, oh, you know, so and so she practices in London, Ontario. And I just expect that they know who I'm talking about because our community is actually relatively small. And, and I think that's the beauty in not just our profession, but life in general. I think that adds to building a connection with somebody where it's like, oh, wow, I feel a lot more comfortable with you now and doing a, a podcast where I only know one half of two RMTs, you know, and a mic. So it's like, oh, well, you know, I feel a lot more comfortable. I can kick my feet up a little bit. And I think that's the beauty in connection in, in not only professional settings, but personal. And I think, you know, since we're we're chatting distantly in, in this whole COVID situation, I think, you know. Well, you're only 20 minutes away from me. We're not that far, <laughs> but, you know, we could be. We could be miles, miles apart, right? But I think that's the beauty with COVID, as little beauty as there <laughs> is with COVID. I will say that. The small, not much yet, but very thin silver lining, yep. <laughs> I think a lot more people are getting back into the, you know, just connection with people, whether it's with their families that they're, you know, hibernating with or clients that they're calling to check up on. And I think, I think that's a beautiful thing. 
I think it, it really brought us back to more of an innate, you know, way of communicating with people where, you know, thank goodness we have social media. Did you read this since talking about the idea of uh, getting back with clients? Did you get that email yesterday? Did you open up your email? Do you get email wherever the hell you are up north? <laughs> Do you have an internet signal? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I got full bars up here in Stouffville, Stouffville, Ontario. <laughs> then you should have uh, gotten that email effective May 26, 2020, kinesiologists and other health, health regulators professionals can when all necessary precautions and protocols are in place to protect patients and clients and themselves gradually and carefully begin providing all services including non-essential services so does this mean that uh, you're going to actually get back with your clients in person or are you going to hold off a little bit you know what? it's it's about it's about damn time i think i think the college is doing a great job i think everybody's playing it safe as they should especially since you know we're dealing with people's health healthier and you know, whether you're working on the front lines of COVID or you're taking a back seat and doing everything you can from where you are. I think, I think um, everybody's doing their part, especially all the health professionals who are super passionate about it. But to answer your question. Absolutely, man. I can't wait to be face to face with clients again, even if it is six feet apart. I run connected chain. We're a health rehab and performance company. Uh, I, I've been fortunate enough to open up my first clinic about two years ago in Markham. Uh, just around the 404 and Steels area. And um, I'm not taking this, this COVID situation lightly. I mean, you know, we're, we're taking all the precautions, making sure, you know, the people who are coming in have been following the guidelines. Um, we, we're making sure that we're wiping everything down after every use. You know, every morning when I get in there, I'm wiping down door handles, light switches, water faucets, dumbbells, everything. So, you know, even if it is just me in there, you know, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm not spreading spreading it. And my parents are a little bit older. So, you know, when I interact with them, I'm not trying to bring it their way or anything like that. So, you know, that was a great email to get. I think, you know, a lot of health professionals have been waiting on that. And I'm sure a lot of them, as well as yourselves, have been planning, you know, what is it going to be like once we go back? I mean, I think that first week or two was, okay, COVID has hit Ontario now. Everything is shutting down. My whole schedule has gone from, you know, you know, fortunately quite busy to, oh, wow, okay, we got to adapt and, and overcome, you know, shout out to Bear Grylls. So so now we're kind of back into the situation where, okay, we're, we're transitioning back in. Me personally, I'm going to have a, somewhat of a challenging time rearranging my schedule to accommodate the people who are willing to come back in. You know, I work a lot with older adults who are very high risk, you know, those with um, severe stages of cognitive decline. They may have multiple comorbidities, movement disabilities. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about them. And, and on the flip side of that, I also work a lot with amateur athletes, those young, young teens or adolescents who, you know, have been in their sport for a number of years and want to improve their physical abilities and, and prevent injury and, and that whole thing. So it's the balance in that. And, um, I'm I'm really looking forward to now getting the AOK from in the college to move forward to, to at least letting people know that hey you know what you can come in and and I'm gonna make sure I take take absolute care of you because you know your health is my priority and and your clients are gonna be excited I'm sure I know I've been saying on the last few episodes we recorded that in the beginning of course like you said, everything was shut down and everybody was just being super cautious and just staying home. You know, you only went out if you absolutely had to, mostly to get groceries or I think majority of people aren't even doing that. They're they're doing pickups or deliveries or whatever. Um, but now I think people are at the point that they're like, okay, 
okay, I am willing to come in with precautions because I need you so badly. Like I'm getting clients contacting me daily. When are you back to work? Have you heard anything yet? Just this morning, I had somebody say to me, any news, any word on a date? What's going on with the massage industry? When are you going to work? Like people are ready. And I think your clients are going to be excited. And like you said, you're already taking the precautions. Mark and I work here by ourselves. We're the only two people here. And I literally like walk around with a can of Lysol and like spray it every <laughs> every time I leave and I'm coming back in and I'm touching the door handle again, I'm spraying it. I'm leaving again, I'm spraying it. And the only person in this office with me is my husband. So I think the clients are pretty safe to come here. And to that point, it's like, when, when did it start that maintaining proper hygiene wasn't a thing exactly it's like it's like were were people were people not washing their hands before covid were you going a full day and only washing your hands like once or twice the thing is john yes the answer is yes i mean not us because (laughs) we work in healthcare, but the answer is yes people were not practicing proper hygiene people actually like these signs in the washroom that we might think are ridiculous of teaching you know how to wash your hands first you wet your hands with hot water then you apply the soap and you lather it for 20 seconds making sure to get the backs and your palms your like i'm looking at this as like why isn't this common sense? But it obviously wasn't before all of this. People are disgusting. So gross. Seriously, <laughs> I mean, dude, you've been you've been in a, in a dude's washroom, and you've 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 been standing next to the dude at the urinal, and you <laughs> watch the guy just like zip up and just leave. And just walk out. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna give any names, but you know, um, I I started you know my career in uh, a very popular popular uh, community center and gym and um, you know I I was exposed early on like I, I was, I've been fortunate to have started my career uh, kind of when I started college in, in 07 and um, you know shout out to my mom for uh, for being a huge supporter of, of my goals and, and just giving me that guidance to be like hey you know what maybe you just volunteer go volunteer and see what it's like and um a complete tangent to start. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm all about these tangents, but it'll come back to our original point is like, you know, grade 12, summer of grade 12, I had already been accepted to uh, George Brown College Fitness and Lifestyle Management Program. Awesome program. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with, with how I started my education within the field. But um, that summer before that, I, uh, you know, I was going through that, that struggle of, man, what am I going to do? Like, you know, is this really what I want to do? And my mom's like, well, you know what? Go volunteer. Go see what, go, go see what you think about it. And, um, you know, shout out to all the moms out there and all the parents out there who, who are looking out for their kids and, you know, definitely took my mom's advice and, and volunteered and got that exposure early on to the field that I'm, I'm very fortunate and blessed to still be in because it's, it's a hard field. It, It is. I mean, not a lot of people really, you know, stick with it. And it's challenging. And um, after a couple months of just volunteering and showing my passion, I was able to get a job. And and since, you know, September of 07, um, pretty much my first or second day in college, I, I got the call about, hey, we'd like to hire you on. And that was a beautiful thing. But back to, to what we were saying about, you know, people being a little disgusting at times, you know, I had to close up gyms and I had to walk through the change rooms. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a pretty sight to be honest. Uh, yeah. With you. Cause we had, we had an unprofessional hour with a, a, a personal training couple with, and... with the personal trainer that John went to school with. Yeah. Yeah. Actually they were, 
giving us locker room stories of people shitting in the shower. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, that's disgusting. disgusting. But it's real, apparently. And that that's like a totally different podcast, like locker room, <laughs> like locker room stories that you guys could talk about. Because you know, I don't want to take too much time on that. But man, it's it's. Uh... You know, story after story for that. So that's hilarious. Okay, so let's let's do this because we didn't actually formally introduce you. And I mean, people are getting to know you now. They know that you, your name is John, you're a kinesiologist and you own Connected Chain. But can you actually give the listeners a little bit of background about uh, your practice and what it's like? And I, you know, you sort of alluded to the populations you serve, but just sort of more of a formal introduction of who you are and what your practice looks or looked like pre-COVID. So once again, my name is John Bakke. I'm a, um, I'm a certified personal trainer through CSEP uh, to start from, from 2009 and onward after, after uh, finishing schooling. I uh, became a registered kin in uh, 2016, uh, a little bit after I finished my master's out at Western. And uh, as I was finishing my master's at Western, I... Uh, I, I decided to launch launch Connected Chain, and how that came to be was, you know, those long two hour drives back and forth from from Markham to London. Wait, wait, stop! I went to Western. I lived in London when I went to Western. You were commuting every day from the GTA to London. No, no, no. So no. Oh, okay. You know sorry. What, though, even if he was, I mean, it makes sense. You can spend two hours in, in, in moving across fucking Toronto traffic in a day. That's true. So you know, <laughs> from a time standpoint, whatever, you might as well. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you meant you were going back and forth every day. I'm like, whoa, what the? Hell? <laughs> I don't think my vehicle would have lasted that long. But no, I, um, I, I, I was renting and. Uh, I was commuting. Um, so when I was doing my master's, uh, it was a thesis-based master's. And the beauty of the thesis-based master's is you have your coursework that you got to do. But then it's it's pretty much all this extra free time to do your research and get it all done. So, you know, if I if my coursework was done on a Wednesday or a Thursday, I'd be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go home and do some of my work from home or, you know, and as I build my social connections in London, um, that was I was a little bit older. Um, when I went out there, so, you know, Western, as people know, is known for their, their social, um, you know, social prowess, so to speak. I have no idea what you're talking about, John. <laughs> you know what, uh, there, there are Google articles for that. You can search it up. But so, you know, Western lives up to their, uh, to their uh, reputation, so to speak. But, um, you know, so I, I was hanging out with a lot of other people in my program. And um, so, yeah, fortunately, I know I wasn't driving daily, but those drives when, you know, you're, I was just in my head, just thinking about, okay, wow, you're doing your master's. This is amazing. Uh, I never thought I would be in a position where I'd be doing my master's and, and thriving in it. What made you decide to to do your master's? You know what? P- personal story. I've, ne- I've never been like a super academic style guy. I've been more, a lot more personal and, and, uh, but I definitely acknowledge and understand that the theory within our field is super important. You know, you can be the the easiest guy to talk to or easiest person to talk to, but if you don't have the theory to back up the treatment that you're giving to your patients or clients, you know, there's going to be that disconnect, you know, after doing my, my college diploma and, and really just building a connection with my professors and, friends in the program i decided to take a year off and work and um the company that I, I worked for originally um i was able to kind of grow through so i was already in the industry you know they they trusted me that like i had some awesome mentors who said hey you know what we trust you whatever idea you come up with 
bring it to us. We'll probably back you up and go do it. Within the first couple, four to five months of, of being graduated um, from George Brown, I was able to get a full-time position. And I knew within that time, I was capped in what I would be able to do within the field. Not necessarily, you know, I always wanted to somewhat run my own business. Uh, but, you know, if I wanted to work for somebody, I knew I needed further education. And I, I, I really was passionate about the stuff I was learning. And I was like, hey, you know what, let's let's keep the, keep the ball rolling here. Um, I'm young, I'm energetic, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about it, I want to keep going. And um, that led me to studying uh, human kinetics out in, out in Kelowna, Kelowna, uh, BC, out in the Okanagan Valley. I, I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to move out west to Kelowna, BC. I studied at the University of British Columbia in the Okanagan, uh, their Okanagan campus, and uh, they had just, I was probably like the third, second or third graduating class of that program. When I went out there, I went out with the intention of, hey, you know what? I, I'm here to, to expand my options and learn the craft and just be better at what I do. I love this story for so many reasons. But one, can I just say Okanagan? Because I just like that word, Okanagan. Like, that's just a fun thing to say. <laughs> okay. Um, but I love I love this story for so many reasons. I meet a lot of people who almost have the reverse uh, story. And I feel like I, I relate so much to yours, John. And what I mean by that is I meet a lot of people who did the studying, you know, like got the, the technical stuff down and, you know, were interested in the field. But then it sort of like the like the the soft skills like the stuff that you were saying you you initially had you know you already had clients you had people that trust like your passion kind of came first and it was like now i need more knowledge and i i think that it can go either way but the important thing is that you recognize you have to have both so i was the same as you i started working as a personal trainer before really actually having the education it just kind of fell into my lap i got a job at a gym um initially you know working the front desk and then they they actually needed needed more trainers and asked me like, would you be willing to, you know, sort of start training? And I think the initial title I had was like floor coach, you know, just helping new members um, get oriented with the machines and teaching them that. So the gym itself trained me. And that made me realize like, I don't want to just teach people how to use machines. So then I started doing my own studying and I took courses. And so I actually started working as a personal trainer before I went into kinesiology and it was that like love of training that when kinesiology became an option for me to go to, to university and study that, I was like, well, this just makes so much sense because I've already been studying it on my own. I love it. So I had the passion. I had clients who were like, you're just really good at this. And then I was like, okay, let me actually know what I'm talking about versus, you know, somebody who goes to school, learns all the stuff, and then they kind of have to get their feet wet in the field. So I, I really relate to your story of like, you know, I knew that I, I liked it, but I knew that I didn't know enough. That speaks a lot to professors, the professors that I, I had in college. I mean, I, um, like I said earlier, I wasn't super academic and I, I kind of fell into, into college and the professors that I had there were just unbelievable in terms of, like you said, Amanda, is in terms of using your strengths as as a, a good quality way to push you forward. And um, to go back, I was um, I was seventeen when I got into college. I was uh, my birthday is in December, so I was a little bit later. Random tangent once again. So I was seventeen. The program was was super challenging. 
you know, I, I went through that, that self doubt and it was, you know, I don't think I'm cut out for this. I don't know if my passion lies here. I think I'm going to drop out and go do like just a general business. That was literally my thinking. And I knew I was passionate about the health field and fitness. So I'm in line after I like, I had bombed my first uh, kinesiology exam. I absolutely bombed it. And John Griffin was the professor and he's an absolute, absolute gem. And I had bombed it because the passing mark was a 60 and I got like a 52 or something. I was like, oh man, you know, that, that really, really uh, shattered me. I was, I was a little discouraged. So I'm like, "Ah, you know what? I don't know if this is for me. I'm in the line to get the dropout form. And uh, John Griffin walks by me and he says, oh, what are you doing? I was like, oh, you know, I don't think this is for me. Um, I think I'm I'm going to move on to something different. And he's like, hey, well, you know what? Make that right decision for yourself. And uh, he was just very blunt and honest about it. You know, being 17 and, you know, I was fortunate that my, my parents were paying for my schooling. So I go to my mom and I say, hey, mom, look, you know, this is what I'm thinking. I need you to sign this form. Here's my thinking behind it. Will you sign the form? And and uh, shout out to my mom and my dad. And they were both like, look, give it a year. If after a year you're over it and this is the route that you still want to go, you know, we'll support your decision. But push through, you know, and, and fight through that that self-doubt and, and actually give it your all. And if at the end of it, it's still not something you want and uh, we'll respect that. You have some very, very good parents. And you know what? I also love the fact that you have said multiple times now that you were not a super academic guy. Here's this guy who grew up thinking he's not a super academic guy and you have a fucking master's degree. So were are you not a super academic guy or did you just have that belief and that mindset like so ingrained in you and thankfully your parents recognized eh, maybe you can do it and forced you to go back and now look where you are. So sometimes it's, you know, just a matter of changing your own mindset and your own negative self-talk. And, you know, if you know it's something you really love and you're really passionate about, you're going to put the work in to do it. And you said that you always kind of like the idea of having your own business. You were always into healthcare. So, I mean, yeah, shout out to your mom for recognizing that and you just try it and see where you are. And to that point, it's exactly that. I mean, I believe in surrounding yourself with with people who will tell it to you like it is and will tell it to you straight and they know you well enough and they know that they can say whatever they need to say to you without it turning into an argument. And I think I'm I'm very blessed and fortunate to have had those parents and, and the social circle where it's like, like you said, it's like, hey, you know what? try it out and, and figure it out. You know, I was 17. You know, as I look back, you know, what do you really know at 17? You think, you know, I think, you know, nothing. At 17. You know, nothing at 17. I hate the fact that Ontario took away the, the Ontario academic year. You know, I, I actually hate that. I don't think yeah. 17 year olds are ready to plan their life. No Sorry. man, because I had that grade 13, uh, yeah, you too. know, Ontario academic credit year. And I was like, if I, if I went to university before, like, <laughs> A year earlier, it would have been a disaster. One hundred. I needed that extra year just to be a dumb fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> just continue with my high school dumb fuckery. No, I definitely think that there was something 
beautiful about that Ontario academic credit year. And when they took it out, I was actually the last the last group to get it. It was gone after me. So I started university with the class behind me, right? I was that double cohort year. So yeah, I had people living on campus with me that were 17. And I just remember thinking like, man, this fucking sucks. You're going to university. Like, I mean, the people who are late birthdays like you, they were 17. Yes, they were going to be 18 that year. But when I started university, I was 19. Can't even drink. Well, exactly. I'm like, you guys, you're starting university. You're living away from home. You can't even hit the pub. Like, (laughs) That's a totally different story. We'll bring that up on the next podcast. No, shout out to Shout out to FLMK for that one, but... Uh, <laughs> this guy had fake ID for sure. No, we're, we're not going to talk. But it was a little Asian guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it still worked. I'm 6'3", 240. I can't even... I can't confirm or deny that, that comment. <laughs> I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to have people listen to this. That'll, that'll come back to me, but... Oh, no, man. I love I love talking about that now. Like, all of the ridiculous things I did as a kid. Like, I've got, I've got little kids. I have two girls. They're almost three and almost six. So they're small, but... They have no idea when they're teenagers, like you're not going to be able to pull the wool over my eyes, just like I thought I could pull the wool over my mom's eyes. No, because we were all 16 and 17. (laughs) I had a fake ID. And I mean, you and I, as I said, we haven't met professionally, but I'm sure we've met before. But you have no idea what I look like. I am the like, if you picture any white girl next door, that's me. Like I'm, I'm super pale, blue eyes. Like I anyway, I had a fake ID when I was probably 17. And the name on the fake ID was Farah, And she was like East Indian. And I swear to you, I oh, shit you, man. it worked everywhere. I would just hand it to oh, you. It's, not, it's not that it worked. Because I'm a girl. I it's know that. Exactly. <laughs> it's anyone just didn't give a shit. I got into so many oh, clubs yeah. when I was 17 by under the name Farah. <laughs> it's such a disaster. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I got a story about my, my aunt got married in Vegas. So for, for my younger clients listening and my older clients listening, you know, be responsible, be respectful, be, be in a good headspace, you know, trust the people that you're with. Um, so my, my uh, aunt, she, she lives out in California. Um, shout out to my aunt Heather. Um, so she got married in, in Vegas. They did a beautiful wedding in the Bellagio. My, my cousins were older. My cousins were like 30 and I'm 15. So they're at the end of the, you know, the reception, the party, they're like, Hey, you know what? Come up with us. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Were you six, three at 15? I was a big fella. I was a big big fella. I was a big 15 year old. And, uh, they're like, you're coming out with us. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how you. Like my cousins were like five, six, five, eight, you know, blue hair, blonde eyes. And I'm like six, three, two, forty, green eyes, brunette. And I'm like, this is not going to work. So they said, just come up. So they hand me his ID and I'm like, this is not going to work, man. I don't know what you're talking about. And I was, I was pretty, pretty, pretty straight edge. Like I, I wasn't really into that sort of thing growing up. So like, yeah, you'll, you'll come out with us. We go to the the first bar, and this was actually back when Chuck Liddell fought. Um, oh man, it was a crazy fight in Vegas it, it, at the Mandalay Bay. It was like Chuck Liddell fought um, Ortiz, I think it was some some crazy crazy fight for UFC. I wouldn't be able to tell you. I've never really followed UFC, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> I'm so, for the UFC fans, my bad if I butchered that. 2015 epic fight. Anyway, so they hand me this ID. And on on the California drivers, it actually says you're like uh, eye color and and hair color. I'm like, all right, this is not gonna work, but whatever. So we go out, 
and I get into this like epic club at the Mandalay Bay. <laughs> the freaking bouncer puts his thumb over the the photo of the ID. And I get in and there's like 15 year old me like, what just happened? What am I getting myself into? What is going to happen? I'm, I'm kind of nervous. And uh, anyway, we had a great night. And uh, this is so epic. Your first fake ID club experience was in Vegas. Did your ID say McLovin? <laughs> it, it was honestly, it was honestly a super bad moment. If it, if it could have gone any, any more uh, McLovin level. <laughs> Were you wearing an Aladdin vest? Um, I, you know what? My my style was so terrible. I had like the same button up polo that I wore to every event where I thought, you know, I, uh, I would going out shirt. It was my going out <laughs> shirt. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill it tonight. So I got into like three different like clubs and bars, and I'm just like, this is crazy. But were you were you smelling like Drakkar Noir? <laughs> I, I smell like every fifteen-year-old like, boy. Come on, now. I can't it's not help nice. it. I, can't help it. <laughs> I probably smell like a Fifty Cent video or like a Ja Rule <laughs> freaking video, like music video. I'm walking back. I'm walking back. It's it's game over. I'm like, oh, I gotta catch a flight tomorrow. With my family, my parents are gonna think I'm crazy. I'm like, guys, can I take this ID back with me to to Canada? It, it's gonna be great. And I show them. <laughs> Stupid, stupid me. I show my mom, like, look, I got this. She's like, give it back right now. <laughs> yeah, you can't show your mom. <laughs> you know, shut up. You know, that, I was that guy. I was that innocent. You were such a good kid. Oh my God. You're like mama's dream. I was a good kid too. I wouldn't even, I would not have even tried with the idea. I would have just been like, fuck it. No, you were, you were like a super yeah, good man, kid. I was uh, scared of authority. And you got it. You got to see Mark's mom. She's not the anymore, sweetest, man. tiny little lady. Like, but she knew how to give the mom look and you know what i respect my mom for that too my mom's not, she's probably five two and a half i have to add that half in in case she hears this because she'll murder me if i say just five two but yeah she's like five two and a half petite little lady but she knew how to scare the shit out of me and she wasn't uh she wasn't a parent that believed in like any kind of like physical physical discipline. So like I never got hit. I never got threatened to even to be hit. But somehow when my mom said something, I knew like, okay, shit, just don't piss her off. So yeah, I, I, I mean, I was fairly good. The fake ID that I got when I was 17, actually, my mom did know about it. It was when she finally started actually letting me go out. And she did know that I had it. It was not a secret because I can't keep secrets from my mom. She would have known. And, and you know, a shout out to the moms and dads out there who do their job as parents and, and try their best to set their, set their children off on the right path. And I think I I, I hope that most parents really believe in that. So shout out to the moms and the dads out there, all the parents out there um, who do that, who do trust their kids, who trust their abilities as parents, um, because it's not it's not easy now more than ever. And and um, my, my parents are unbelievable. They're they're a huge reason uh, why I am the way I am today. And uh, it would be a disservice to them to not to not give uh, Wendy and Pierre a huge shout out. I like that you actually named them too. They're named. They're named. And um, they, you, you can find them on Facebook. Um, <laughs> Your parents are going to get all these friend requests after this episode is public. <laughs> it's like, oh, these guys are great. This, this is fun. Can you be my parents? Can you adopt this? No. Um, so, so, you know, back to the original, original point we were getting at is, um, so yeah, I, I, I move out to Kelowna, BC. I, I'm just some, I'm, I'm just some kid and I love, I love music. I love hip hop. I love all genres. 
And uh, I'm just some some young kid. I'm 19 at this point. Pretty much like just a dream, just a dollar in a dream. Young guy moving out. You're on your own in a completely different place, and you just have this dream to achieve. And and um, you know, when I got out there, I I had had that foundation from college and had experience from my 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 work, and I knew that not only will my schooling help to to push me forward, but I gotta, I gotta, you know, gain more experience. And, you know, I got involved with like student council in the first year, just, just figuring out what they were about. But as I got to know more of my professors in my second year, because uh, a lot of my college credits transferred over. So I finished my undergrad in three years. In my second year, I started volunteering in a research lab that kind of focused on older adults and um, not only older adults, but kind of um, uh, motor units and and activities of daily living and muscle uh, motor unit firing and 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 just muscles. I think I think uh, every health professional really figures out what part of the body they're really passionate about. And I love every aspect about the body, but I think I think muscles are really cool. Um, I've always been into weightlifting and, and body composition. I think musculature and the musculoskeletal system is so awesome. It's, you know, what moves our body, right? What connects our muscles to the bones? How do we maintain that movement? And it's the muscle and we want to maintain that muscle because we, we have some control in maintaining that property. So I, I connected up with some professors who were like-minded and, and I started volunteering and, you know, that was a huge challenge because I'm just sitting there like, what the hell are you talking about? How do I read a research article? I remember asking my professor, I'm like, how do I read this? Like, what do I take from all of this? This is so, there's so much information to take. I don't, I'm used to reading textbooks and writing notes down. This is just like completely different. Yeah. Uh, reading and understanding research is something that actually takes, um, takes learning and studying. You j- it's not, it's not super simple. So yeah, I mean, that's something I took from my university career as well as actually being able to take a research article and understand what the hell it means. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and you know, it's, it's on you as the person to, and I completely owe the tangent, but the advice that I give people who are getting into the field is you have to understand that you don't know as much as you think, you know, and you have to address and, and pinpoint the things that you don't know enough about. And if you're really passionate about it, to go find that information. Because even if you got 20 years in the game of experience, you still don't know as much as you think you know. I, I was fortunate enough to learn that early on. And I sought out that information. Like kind of what you just said, Amanda, is like, I don't know how to read a, 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 a peer-reviewed article. I know there's value in it. And I know it'll help me as I progress through my career. But if I ask a question, hopefully I'm given an answer from the person that I trust. And if not, you know, I got some work to do in finding that answer. So I think for the people who are in university listening or in college listening or even in their master's listening, or even if you're already applying it, like you're a new grad, know that there's so much more information out there. Know that there are people who are willing to help you learn that info and just don't be afraid to reach out. Because the worst thing that could happen is you don't get a reply back. Then that turns into, hey, you know what? I, I have to go seek out this information from somebody else who's willing to give me that. Um, so anyway, I was uh, back to where I was at is, um, you know, I'm doing my undergrad. I'm, I'm getting involved with more research work and, and learning how to collect data and learning how to 
what developing research actually looks like in the health sciences field. I think it's, I, I generalize it as health sciences because, you know, any regulated health profession can actually apply this work and apply this research to what they're doing. So, you know, I'm working with these people in my last year of my undergrad. I think I decided that I'm like, you know what, I'm going to apply to physio. I'm going to apply to physio schools and I'm going to keep, keep learning my info. And I knew the stats on applying to physio in Ontario. Like it's, it's so crazy. Like, you know, there there are 60 to 80 spots available for some of the bigger universities here and thousands of applicants apply. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to apply. It's crazy. And, and, um, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to apply. I, I, and earlier I said, I wasn't a super academic, but I, I busted my ass and I was able to get, I was proud of the GPA that I was able to achieve. It wasn't that, you know, 4.0 GPA. I think it was like 3.3 or 3.5. So I was like, wow, you know, awesome. Congratulations to yourself. Pat on the back. So I apply to it, but I'm also like, you know, I was in the same boat where, Hey, you know what? I think I want to pursue further education. And from, from chatting with the professors that I was working with, they, they had mentioned a few other professors uh, in Ontario that, you know, kind of follow along the lines of my passion and, so I applied to pretty much all the schools in Ontario for physio. I, I thought I had a decent chance because of my experience, but as I learned, it's all grades based at the beginning. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That was a huge bummer. And I like the idea of operating with a bit of a chip on your shoulder where it's like, you're not good enough. So I had that chip on my shoulder where it's like, you know, I didn't get into any of these programs. I didn't even get an interview. I'm like, yo, I have, I have like already five years experience. I have all the schooling and why because i didn't um you know a decimal point off of the grade point average so so anyway you know i was like wow okay that's cool i I get how this operates so got applied to um, western for a master's in science in health and rehabilitation so that's kind of where my passion was at and uh, i'd spoken to my professor out there uh, dr rob petrella he's uh he's a phd md he he's he's an awesome man he he um, gave me the chance again and um you know after not getting into any physio programs i got into this master's once again i'm in that same position where time to learn something more and apply all this so my master's was uh heavily focused in the older adult population because in my undergrad i learned that i really I really had something for the older adult. And the way I saw it is, you know, this is the generation that got us to this point we're at right now. You know, this is the generation that fought in a world war, or this is the generation that went through those social craziness of things aren't allowed. And they they provided the groundwork for me to have this conversation with both of you right now on a podcast, um, talking about the things that I'm passionate about. My motivation is being able to help them have a high quality of living, maintain their mobility, enhance their performance specifically to what it is they do. So having, you know, flash forward into my master's, I, I studied uh, the early stages of cognitive decline. So subjective cognitive complaints. And my demographic was were those and my key variables were things like gait so walking patterns uh and and uh balance so those are my two key variables along with uh, cognitive improvement focusing on kind of executive functioning one of the best things that i got from my masters is our our sample size we had like 160 people that we we went through we divided them into our control and our and our treatment group 
And I, I had me and um, Sam Tithridge and Amanda Diosarian. I, I'm so sorry if I butchered her last name. But Sam and Amanda, we were the master students and they all took different variables. And, you know, we all collected data from 160 some odd older adults over the age of 55 who had that subjective cognitive complaint. And I learned so much from chatting with these people. And it was such a humbling experience because they all brought something different. Like I, uh, I remember this one gentleman, he ran a restaurant and, uh, one day he brings me a bag of flour. He's like, I used to make the best fucking fried chicken with this flour. I want you to have a bag of it, you know, go make that fried chicken or fried fish with it. And it was fish and chips, excuse me. So he's like, I used to make amazing fish and chips, take this flour and go do it. I was like, oh, man, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's awesome. That's so awesome. I think having done that program really helped to push my passion into helping the older adults, but also understanding that not only are older adults in need of the knowledge and skill set that I have to help improve their, uh, to help maintain their mobility and their, and enhance their performance. But there's also that, that younger group who, you know, I remember I was a basketball player in high school and um, I, I was exposed to a lot of injuries. And now with my skills, I was like, man, I wish there was somebody who would just help me strengthen my body safely rather than just doing suicides in the basketball court, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. three days a week. So on the flip side is I love working with those, those young athletes who are passionate about their craft and, you know, understand that preventing injury is so important. And that I guess what I'm getting at is the, the passion that I, I, I'm fortunate enough to have and a lot of other health professionals have, including yourselves, is you can apply that to, to almost anybody. And, you know, with my, my time in my schooling, it was able to allow me to find that passion and learn how to apply it, both from the practical side of college to the theoretical side of the undergrad and the master's. And back to my original point of like doing those drives back and forth from London to, to Markham, Connected Chain is really that embodiment of everything that I had gone through and my experiences of it. And knowing that there's this gap within the healthcare field in terms of what a lot of people are, are, are used to in terms of the rehab that they get, but also now as, as a kin and a personal trainer, it's like, there's this huge gap in, in terms of what a lot of people are used to. And I want to put kinesiology on my back and say, you know, we're really good. We're awesome. You know, we, we can provide that info and help you live a better quality of life. And that's really what Connected Chain is about. And that's why Connected Chain is a health rehab and performance company. So we address all three key variables. And I know that's super general, but I think that the people that I'm trying to help will understand that. I actually I actually don't think it's super general. I'm I really liking everything you're saying. The fact is you have a niche. It seems broad, but it isn't. You know, you work with people who are super young, who don't have the information available. And like you said, it's not something that they're going to learn from their high school coaches or just in a gym with a trainer. But you have this knowledge, especially because you have an athletic background to help them to keep themselves in shape now. And then you're also working with the older adult population that maybe didn't necessarily do things the way they should have when they were younger. So it's like you're the the young adults you're working with now, you're kind of keeping them from potentially having to come see you when they're 65 and broken because they weren't taking care of themselves. And I love the um, 
you know, the, what, sorry, what were the, the three? It's rehab performance. I'm, I'm missing a word. Help me. It was health, health rehab. Health rehab performance. performance. Yeah, yeah. That to me is very clear. Like, you know, we're not just a rehab facility. We're not just, um, we had somebody on who's a kinesiologist and her handle is empowered performance. And I love that. Not that she doesn't do everything, but it's very clear to see, you know, she's really focused on working with these athletes and improving their performance. You're saying it's super general, but it's not. It's like you come here if you want to improve your health, if you need some sort of rehabilitation for something that isn't necessarily functioning the way it should be, or to enhance your performance. I I think the whole thing makes sense, especially with the name Connected Chain. I was just thinking about how many ways that makes sense. Again, working with people that are super young, you know, that aren't even fully developed yet and don't even necessarily know where they want to go, but they're they're really involved and passionate about their athletics. And then working with this older adult population that probably doesn't have the people to to turn to to say like you know this is this is how your quality of life can improve you know I, I hear a lot of older adults especially in you know the field of massage therapy I have older clients who you know have this mindset that well you know this is normal right it's normal for me to have this knee pain it's normal because I'm I'm getting older I have one she's super lovely and she's always in a great mood but when I ask her you know what are your concerns would you come in today she'd be like oh you know sometimes I get this pain in my elbow but it's nothing to it's nothing to worry about I'm you know I'm old it's normal that my elbow hurts i'm like well no it isn't well and, and to that point it's like they were they didn't have the time to worry about their physical health or their right. overall right. well-being i have one client who's 95 and he, this this gentleman stormed normandy on d-day how does a 95 year old client i just have to know this because i always feel like after a certain age, you know, anybody that I know that's in their 80s and 90s, I feel like a vast majority of those people are the people who are like, no, you know, I'm just older and they're fully willing to stay home and sit on the couch and not do anything to improve their functioning and movement. How does a 95-year-old veteran find you, John? Like, how did he decide I need to go see a kinesiologist? It speaks to to this this man as a as a person. His daughter reached out to me um, I guess she saw a um, some of my advertisements or whatever. It speaks to the the type of person that he raised and was like the daughter said, "Hey, you know what? This could be good for my my father." I love that. I love that. Yes, because the older adults, like you said, they didn't grow up with with this available to them. They didn't, they, this wasn't the world they knew. I know even my parents who are not that old, actually, my mother just turned 60, like they're young, um, relatively young. And she, it, it's when she was a teen or in her 20s, you know, she would never have even dreamed of going to see a massage therapist or a chiropractor or can you see, you know, it wasn't, super mainstream. I know I'm generalizing because I have a lot of older clients and, you know, but it's people that are more connected right now. I think there's some people that grew up with that mentality that aches and pains are normal and they're willing to stay that way. But I love that this man's daughter was like, oh, there is, there's John, there's connected chain. There's somebody that can work with my 95 year old father and improve the quality of his life. Exactly. And I think, you know, nothing motivates me more than like being able to build a connection with anybody that I work with, let alone if you're, you know, 11 years old and you're, you're becoming amazing swimmer or you're that 95 year old person who like, I, I was blown away 
when this gentleman told me he stormed the beach of Normandy when this guy was like 20 years old. And wow. he showed me in like the craziest story ever. So we're chatting and he's like, oh, John, I want to show you something. Check this out. It's a shell casing from the tank. And uh, him and his, him and his uh, he was a, a tank engineer, uh, was his, his class. And uh, him and his, 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 um, his battalion, they're, they're going around and they're in France. And they're getting shot at by, I believe it was some Germans that were in a church. You know, I'm a Christian man. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was crazy. So he, he's sharing with me the story. He's like, they're shooting at us in this tank. And then he aims and he takes out this chapel. He takes out this church. I'm like, hey, well, you know what? You know, you got to defend yourself. They were shooting at you. So they take him out. This guy, this guy goes back like 40 years later. And I shit you not. He's like this woman that this elderly woman who was at a house who saw this all happen had, I guess, taken a shell. She had taken the shell from that shooting. Like when they had, when they had to shoot back at this, this chapel that they were getting attacked from this uh, elderly woman who would used to like bake them goods or whatever took the shell. And he went back to France to see where he was and I shit you not, this woman was there and she's like it was either the woman or a family member and this person was like, I have this shell. So this was the shell Mm. from the Second World War and he shows me the bottom of it and you can see the years like 1943 or something, 1944 I was like, this thing is massive first of all, this guy's using it as a a water vase, like a, a vase for flowers. I'm like, that's awesome first of all. And he shows me this thing. I was like, this is unbelievable. That that real life story and connection from having it with this person is just unbelievable. And I was like, you know, the first thing I took from it, as I said, you know, thank you for your service, first of all. But second of all, I am so humbled to, number one, not have to be a 20-something-year-old person and have to fight in something like that. And thank you for, you know, putting yourself on the line to to give me the ability to return the favor to you now. How cool is it? Like you've mentioned connection multiple times. We had another kin on here who said that's her favorite part of her job, Jamie. Um, she was saying that when her clients come to see her, her main goal is to build connections with people. And uh, we did an unprofessional hour a long time ago with a massage therapist named Curtis. And it was hilarious. If you haven't listened to it, you should listen to it. That guy makes me laugh all the time. But Curtis was talking about... Um, this career just being so freaking cool because you're forced to get to know people that you likely would never have been in a room with. You know, as a massage therapist, you're in a room with somebody for an hour, you know, and I assume with kinesiology appointments, you know, you're spending quite a bit of time with these people. So you build connections with people that you probably wouldn't socialize with in in the world. So, you know, you and this 95-year-old man have this connection now and you got to hear this story and, you, you know, you feel like you know him a little bit and you've got this connection with somebody that you may have never encountered had you been, you know, working in a call center or, you know, working behind a desk isolated. So that's one thing that I really love about our profession. I'm so flipping excited that you guys can start seeing clients now. And I'm hoping that means I can very soon too, because I do miss seeing people face to face. You know, I'll be careful. I'll wear my mask, but I miss the people and the connections and hearing these kind of wild stories that I wouldn't otherwise hear in my own little bubble. It's exactly that. And, um, having lost my grandparents when I was relatively young, I, uh, you know, love my grandparents and I, I was able to have a connection, but 
now being a little bit older and wiser, you re- you respect their lived experiences that much more. And me personally, I wanted to to understand that more so that I can apply it to my life. And I hope to then, you know, for people who seek out that information, I hope to when the time comes to, you know, share that with them as well, you know whether it's my own lived experience or sharing a story like I just shared with you, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, as a professional listening to what people say is so valuable. And, um, and I think it's, um, I think it's really cool to be able to build that connection. Well, and also understanding people is, is really an important aspect of our career. I mean, if you're working with people at all, you have to be able to understand people. You have to be, you know, like, for example, you work in rehab. Part of what you do is rehabilitation, right? So if you have somebody coming to you, you have to be able to understand and meet the person where they are. You know, like you can't just start giving them exercises that realistically you know that they're not going to do. So listening to what your your patients or clients are saying to you is super important. You just reminded me of something, John, when you were talking about, um, you know, you'd you had a connection with your grandparents, but you didn't totally understand and appreciate them. During COVID now, I think people are also starting to really understand some of the older generations. I've seen this circulating on Facebook. Have you seen it? Imagine you were born in 1900. Have you seen this this thing that's been circulating? Well, I'm not going to read the whole either. thing, but Share it's, it. I want to hear it. Okay. Imagine you were born in 1900. On your 14th birthday, World War I starts and ends on your 18th birthday. 22 million people perish in that war. Later in the year, a Spanish flu acad- epidemic hits the planet and runs until your 20th birthday. 50 million people die from it. In those two years, on your 29th birthday, the Great Depression begins. Unemployment hits 25%. The world GDP drops 27%. That runs until you're 33. The country nearly collapses along with the world economy. When you turn 39, World War II starts. You aren't even over the hill yet and don't try to catch your breath. On your 41st birthday, the United States is fully pulled into World War II. Between your 39th and 45th birthday, 75 million people perish in the war. At 50, the Korean War starts. 5 million people perish. At at 55, the Vietnam War begins and doesn't end for 20 years. Four million people perish in that conflict. On your 62nd birthday, you have the Cuban Missile Crisis, a tipping point in the Cold War. Life on our planet as we know it should have ended. Great leaders prevented that from happening. When you turn 75, the Vietnam War finally ends. Think of everyone on the planet born in 1900. How do you survive all of that? When you were a kid in 1985 and didn't think your 85-year-old grandparent understood how hard school was and how mean that kid in your class was, yet they survived through everything listed above. Perspective is an amazing art, refined as time goes on, and enlightening like you wouldn't believe. Let's try and keep things in perspective. If I wasn't already motivated, I, I, I listened to everything you just said. I was like, wow, I, I have an opportunity to not have to experience all of that and do something with it. You know, our challenges are our challenges. I'm not I'm not going to undermine some of the challenges that we're facing today. Of course. But by listening to that and how real that may have been for so many people, you know, that motivates me to thrive on so many privileges that we have today to 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 do something. And, and to give back. And I, I don't really have words for that. It's unbelievable. I know. Every, I, like I said, it's been circulating. So I've read it a few times. And each time I read it, I, I I will say, though, it's something circulating on Facebook. So if the dates are off, if anyone's listening to this and the <laughs> dates are off, I didn't write it. I haven't fact checked all of the dates if they're exactly right about the birthdays and the ages. But the point is that, yes, people born in that time period in the 1900s went through so many things, the Great mm-hmm. Depression, multiple wars. And I'm not saying what we're dealing with right now isn't 
isn't a tragedy and isn't traumatic and isn't difficult. I, in fact, believe it actually is more traumatic than we're even giving it credit for. You know, everybody yelling at the top of their lungs, it's not so hard, just stay home. Well, for some people, no, staying home staying is that home hard and difficult. it can be really terrible. So everybody's suffering right now. But yes, perspective is is definitely important here that, you know, we have a lot more privileges than somebody who was born in 1900 and hopefully we can we can get through this and come out much stronger and appreciate those people who now you know if anybody anybody that you have in your life is you know this guy that's 95 this pandemic he's like yeah been there done that for real even forget all of the world mishaps these he survived the the evolution of technology yeah like this guy has seen it all and he went from traveling on a horse to cars that drive themselves <laughs> man it's like fuck i know it's it's just mind blowing because you know i was born in the 80s so i you know the biggest technology um evolution that I saw. I mean, it was a lot since the 80s. I get that. But I can't imagine, you know, somebody like your 95 year old client. And I have to say what? you can talk to each other through your phone and look at each other. Crazy. Um, I have to say the seniors that are in this neighborhood, though, they're doing it right, man. I went through a Tim Hortons drive through this morning to get Mark an ice cap. And when I came out of the drive through, I realized on one side of the parking lot, there was a whole bunch of cars parked. They were far away from each other. But I was like, why are there so many cars here considering the the actual the actual coffee shop is closed, right? It's only the drive-through open. So then I looked again and I realized all of these seniors had their not like folding lawn chairs, you know, like the plastic white campfire chairs. Of course you do. You're up north right now. So they all had one of these beside their cars. They were sitting six feet apart from each other in a circle, all sipping on their coffee. Oh, you can't we can't go in the coffee shop right now? No problem. I was like, man, these seniors are doing it right. We're all sad and isolated and not seeing our friends. I'm like, look, they're they're at a safe distance. They're doing it. Oh, they pretty much took the like the early morning walking around the mall and then you know hanging out with your 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 group, and they just took it outside. They just took I it mean, outside, and they're sitting six feet apart from each other. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen, actually. <laughs> it's awesome, and uh, yeah, I mean that that's so amazing and comes back to the community right and i think we all know and the people listening know and understand that we're providing health rehab and performance to these people whoever seeks us out but there's that social aspect that is so important to overall well-being that i i've learned and i'm learning more and more now than ever that by doing things like that you're improving your health by by that much more than just staying at home with your loved one or you know your wife or your husband it's like you're going out and you're building that social connection because, you know, the social connection can then lead into motivation to stay more active or for sure. It's just good for the soul, man. You oh, need absolutely. to connect with people. I just realized the time, John, and I know that you um, you don't have a ton of time because you're going to be virtually meeting with clients, I guess. Before we finish off anything. I know that you've said the name of your company a few times, but for anybody listening that wants to get in contact with you, either to become a patient or just pick your brain or whatever, can you give us some contact info right now? So I, I still got a little bit of time, but um, again, if anybody who's reaching out, so my my clinic is Connected Chain. My company is Connected Chain, K-I-N-N-E-C-T-E-D Chain. Um, feel free to email me at connected.chain at gmail.com. You can give us a Google. We're on there. My cell phone number is 647-300-8068. And one thing that I wanted my physical space of Connected Chain to be 
is a place where regulated health professionals can come and have a space where they can work with their clients privately in a space that has everything you need to operate your business as the best way you can. And for you to thrive, to be able to operate and show your passion with your clients, you know, grow a business that you're passionate about. It's, it's all about you. I'm just providing the space for you to operate the best way you see fit within your scope of practice and, and just doing it the best way possible. It's, it's really meant to be just an integrated health network of amazing people. And I have some awesome people using it. And I'm just trying to really grow that network of, of health professionals who can, who can say, hey, look, I need somewhere to bring my, my clients or patients. This is the place to do it. It's a comfortable, warm feeling. Um, feel free to reach out anytime, everybody. You know, I would love to pick the brains of people listening and answer questions to those who are listening as well for anybody who's again looking for for treatment or um, anything related to your health or rehab and performance we're here to maintain your mobility enhance your performance and and just really help to improve that overall quality of life for whatever your goals are you know i'm here we're all here to help you do that and if it's that fear of reaching out don't be afraid I was afraid to, we're here to, to be there to answer that call for you and try to answer those questions and provide, you know, a guiding light to help you to, to live better, uh, run your businesses, live better and just provide good quality healthcare. Mark, does this guy just make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside? Uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely fuzzy. Uh, the warm might be the weather, but uh... <laughs> like, don't you, don't you just want to go and like go work at connected chain <laughs> i don't know man uh, i like old folk but you know <laughs> you know and it's not for everybody and 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 to that point it's you know i work with people who are on the further end of the spectrum of the dementias and the alzheimer's you know people who are suffering from some some pretty hard conditions yeah i'm i'm glad you do that because i definitely couldn't i i don't know man i couldn't do that work no and 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 that's the beauty in it it's like you got to know where your strengths are i'm i'm i love working with people who are you know just trying to improve their quality of life even if they're suffering from a chronic disease or multiple comorbidities or movement disorders or anything and they just want to you know, a lot of my clients is like, I want to be able to play with my grandkid. I want to see my child get married. I, like their goals aren't just like, I want a six pack. I want to yeah. be able to dunk a basketball. It's like, I just want to be there. No wonder you see it. You make people feel so warm and fuzzy. Like everything you say is just like inspiring. I'm like, oh, like I know you're actually quite a bit younger than I am. So I'm like listening to you and thinking, man, if I was Wendy, Wendy's your mom, right? Yeah. If I was Wendy, I would be so proud, John. You have done great things and I'm sure I'm sure Wendy is very proud and Pierre. Thank you. And you know what? I think uh in the field that we're all in, I think the biggest thing that uh you can do as a professional is just keep it real. Keep it so real that, you know, the people who seek you out don't even question your intentions. It's like, you know, that that's really what it comes down to. It's like I hope people listening and, and my clients know that they can talk to me about anything, come to me with anything, know that I'm 
every program that I put together is really for their their best interest. And uh, I appreciate you saying that, Amanda. Well, the genuine approach is the only approach. So I, th- I mean, in my opinion, a successful practitioner is always one who isn't just in it for the money and is very genuinely trying to help the people they're working with. And yeah, of course, making money is what you have to do because it's a business, but you're doing it in a very authentic and genuine way. And I think that's why you've been successful. And I think that's why Connected Chain is where it is. And you're you're doing great as a very young entrepreneur. And I appreciate you saying that. And you know what? Like like I said earlier, understanding that I don't know enough. That's that's why I reached out to Mark a, a week or two ago saying, hey, you know what? I'm having trouble with with this specific area that I'm getting into. You know, I I, I trust your your experience and I trust your mindset and I trust your experience. So, you know, Mark was amazing to be like, hey, you know what? I'm I'm willing to give you my time to help you. And um, that was unbelievable. You know, Mark, you didn't need to do that. And I really appreciate you doing that. Right on, man. Right on. You know, and uh, it helped so much. And, you know, that's what really Connected Chain is all about. Community, brother, community. That's it. That's it. That's it, man. Honestly. And uh, I think I think you guys got a great thing going here when, when things open up. I to get some treatment from, from uh, Mark or Amanda, you know. And I can't wait for people to come back and sit on this couch because yes. I have to apologize because I've been really absent in this episode because... I'm. Uh, we fucking need an engineer. I'm yeah. sitting here trying to engineer the sound and make sure everything's right, especially because the other night we had a lot of technical difficulties when we were, you know, it was just a disaster. So I'm really conscious about it right now. And I've been playing engineer for the past freaking hour. And I feel really horrible that I've been absent on this a it's, little bit. It's hard. The remote recordings do end up being, yeah, Mark's not really saying as much. And I miss that too. Like when I listen to our episodes, it's it's very noticeable now that it is really just me talking because Mark is the sound engineer over here. So I can't wait until we can have practitioners come back in, sit on the couch, you know, we'll keep our distance. Mark went ahead and bought um, covers for the mic so we can change them between people and, you know, making sure that you're not breathing on something somebody else just was. So, you know, we're, we're, prepping to get people back on the couch so we don't have to be doing all of our recordings via phone. It's just nice to have a human in person here. And then Mark can talk. Got got my cords long enough. That'll that'll go 20 (laughs) feet. You can be on the other side of the room. Yeah, we can move the couch a little further. Well, I mean, it's either it's either I come to you guys and kick it on the couch, or you guys come out to Stillville, a little north of Steels, and you know we can we can kick it out here and just have a good conversation. I have been enjoying hearing the birds in the background where you are. <laughs> you know, uh, hopefully that's one less thing you got to engineer. No, I'm keeping all that. That's good. We'll stuff. keep some of the birds. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, I think we should uh, we should wrap it up here, um, so we can get back to our regular regularly scheduled lives. That was good, man. I really enjoyed it, uh, hearing everything that you had to say today. Again, sorry I can't get in on that rap a lot. I've been fucking manning a fucking soundboard. <laughs> you know anyone that uh, you know needs a job as an engineer? Let me know. They might have to work for beer though because we're unemployed. <laughs> Hey, as long as it's some good quality beer, I'm happy to help, but no, for sure. You mean you wouldn't work for Laker Lager? <laughs> Bring it up to Cronenberg Blog and we're talking about it. Why not? Hey, he, went, he went from whiskey to bourbon. His palate has matured. <laughs> I think I prefer you at 15 years old with your go nut shirt and your fake ID, man. I'll still, I'll still play with that bucket beer. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, John. This was, this was really... 
refreshing and uh, you have a very positive attitude and I'm happy for you that you get to start seeing clients face to face again just as of yesterday that I'm uh, that was when the email came out right yesterday you guys are allowed to go back to work yeah it came out late last night so for anyone listening who didn't know this Ontario Kins you can start seeing your people again this is so exciting we back we back and you know Mark and Amanda this was this was really cool it's the uh, second podcast I've been on and uh, I, I like how you guys do things and I, I can't thank you know thank Mark enough for, for inviting me out Mark and Amanda you're a great host I mean uh, I'm excited for for hopefully we get to do another one and and uh, you know we can you know hang out around the couch and just have you know more open conversation you know if there are any health professionals in the markham area or gta who are looking for you know a place to bring some clients or um, just interested at all in, in reaching out you know feel free um mark and amanda this was awesome i uh I, I love what you guys are doing i love the passion that you guys bring and, and this was really, really cool. Right on, man. Well, it's been good. Thanks for hanging out with us. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.